Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. So, it's great to be here. Um, As uh, Ethan said, I did have back surgery uh, a few weeks ago. And so the, the difficulty is that uh, it herniated a disc into the sciatic nerve. The sciatic nerve, I'm just going to give you the bottom line, got kind of mad at me and, um, uh, and, and bruised. And so the quad muscle, I forgot from high school science. I don't know how many of you remember high school science. I realize nerves send pain signals to your brain because I get them all the time. But what I didn't realize was that they send electrical signals to your nerves. I mean, to your muscles, that your, 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 your body, your muscles actually worked on electricity, your body. And so anyway, the brain, when it would send the, that signal, the sciatic nerve was cutting it off, not letting it get there. So the quad muscle in my left leg atrophied. And so sometimes I'll just be walking along and... Uh, my quad muscle will just say, nope, and I just go all the way to the floor. And so probably at least 10 times in the last two weeks, I've just gone to the floor. And so it's just one of those goofy things. And, and so I'm getting there, but I don't know how many of you, I'm sure many of you have had some sort of procedure or something, but isn't it amazing that recovery takes longer than they say it does, you know? Um, like we are, we have Dr. Carrasco here, one of our elders, and he's a surgeon. And uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, and he said that minor surgery is any surgery that the doctor who's performing it has not had. <laughs> you know, when they say, "Oh, this is just minor surgery," you know, yeah. okay, it means they haven't had it yet. So, um, but anyway, um, I'm getting there. So, thanks for letting me just sit down and share with you. So I'm just going to share with you my story. And um, uh, so uh, just like if we were sitting in your living room and you said, you know, Pastor Robert, tell us. We've never, we don't even know. How did, how was your growing up and how did you come to know the Lord and all? So that's what I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, I was born at a very early age. (laughs) And uh, I was born in Marshall, Texas. And uh, our first home was the house behind the Kentucky Fried Chicken. So that's where we lived. And um, uh, my father is actually here, by the way, who this um, fall turns 88 years old. So, Dad, uh, why don't you stand up? Why don't you just let everyone see you? This is my father. And uh, Ethan also was going to allow me to introduce my mother-in-law that I can't tell mother-in-law jokes either because I have a mother, wonderful mother-in-law. Debbie's mother is here who this fall, I guess it's okay to tell. There's a certain age that women get to that they don't mind telling their age. Uh, but this fall, she'll turn 92. So, Edra, would you, would you stand up and just let them see you? This is Debbie's mother. So, she's here. So we have a great family, but like all families, we've had uh, tragedies and trauma in our family. And I just don't want you to feel like if you've had tragedy or trauma or something like that, that you are alone. 
because I'm going to share some of that with you. Um, and as I said, I'm going to go back as a wean all the way back to birth, but I'm going to go back even before that and start with something very, very sad that happened in our family before I was ever even born. Um, when my mother was 16 years old, her father, um, and this is very sad, so prepare yourself, but was shot and murdered. And my mother was there. And that is something that um, a daughter should never have to see. Uh, he was shot three times in the chest with a 45. And um, so I never knew him. But his name was Robert. And he actually uh, started a church in his home, even though he owned a dairy farm. And that church is Trinity Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas. It's still in existence today. And so my father, my grandfather that I never met, that I'll meet in heaven one day, was a church planner. And my, um, not the pastor, he just started it in his home. And then, but his father, my uh, great, no, my, I guess it was my, yeah, I know it was my great-grandfather, but I think it was my, it was grandma's, uh, yeah, uh, father. He traveled with Pawnee Bill and uh, the other Bill, what? Buffalo Bill. Pawnee Bill. So if I, if I repeat myself, it's because I'm on drugs right now, okay? <laughs> so um, because I'm on drugs, I might repeat myself, all right? So will you just, will you just forgive me for that? Okay, all right, all right. So, so I'm on drugs my, right now, so I might repeat myself. <laughs> so, okay, so I did that one on purpose, but I might not do another one on purpose, so... But anyway, my great-grandfather traveled with Pawnee Bill and Buffalo Bill and actually led both of them to Christ and then became a missionary to the Pawnee Indians. And so on my mother's side of the family, I have church planners and missionaries. On my father's side of the family, <laughs> he said, I don't know why you have to tell this. Um, they uh, um, delivered uh, illegal liquor to people. <laughs> Uh, so, um, that's, that's the other side of my family. But my, my father, uh, became a Christian same time, the same age that my mother lost her father at 16. My father at 16 years old heard the gospel for the first time in his life, listening through the screen door as a man shared with my grandfather, the gospel. And as the man said to him, would you like to accept Christ? My grandfather on that side of my family said no, and yet later at 78 years old, I led him, when he was 78, I led him to Christ. And, uh, but uh, my, the guy said to my grandfather, well, if you ever want to accept Christ, pray a prayer like this. And my father, listening through the screen door, prayed that prayer and um, was the first Christian in our family. And so it completely, totally changed our family. By the way, just so you know, my father was a businessman. God blessed him tremendously. And uh, people talk about, we talk about giving because I wrote The Blessed Life. And, it's, and the book, by the way, if you don't know, uh, is that uh, it is not give to get. I don't believe in the give to get message. We don't give to get, we get to give. 
The blessed life is not receiving after you give, and that's what a lot of people are preaching. The blessed life is giving, expecting nothing in return. That's the happy life. So anyway, uh, and one time I was talking to my father, um, and just this is just to show where kind of the giving part came, and since they're here, um, our, our family, just to share this, um, I, I was sharing with him, Debbie and I just gave away our 15th car. And uh, this was early on in our, probably in our 30s. And um, he wasn't trying to one-up me or outdo me at all. It's just the number 15 rang a bell. And he said, wow, that's kind of amazing. He said, uh, your mother and I just gave away our 15th house. So he used to buy houses for people and uh, let them make payments to them and then give them the house. And so, um, it, so we just have a great, great family there once our family came to Christ, you know. So, so anyway, my parents then were Christians, took me to church. Uh, we were Baptist. Uh, if you don't know what that means, it means you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday also. So um, we went all the time to church. And I, uh, at eight years old, we were having communion. And I thought this was great. I had never... I just thought, wow, this is great. They're serving refreshments in church, you know. And so this plate came down the, the row, and it had these little pieces of bread in it, the little square ones, if you've ever seen those. And I thought, you know, they're little, but, you know, 10 or 12 will tide me over till lunch, you know. And so I went to get some, and my dad said, uh, you, you can't have that yet. And uh, obviously not being mean, just following the protocol of, of the church we attended, and I said, why can't I have that? And he said, because you're not a Christian yet. And uh, I kind of sold up and thought, well, it looked like somebody stepped on it anyway. It was flat and all, you know. And so, um, but then some grape juice came down the road. And I, I love grape juice. And so I went to get, you know, two or three of those. They're just little cups, so you got to get a few, you know. So I was going to get some of those. And my dad said, you, you can't have that. And I said, why can't I have that? And he said, because you're not a, a Christian yet. And so anyone here want to take a guess what my quest next question was? How do you become a Christian? I mean, I'm ready. I mean, if Christians get refreshments in church and non-Christians don't, I'd like to become a Christian, please. I'd like to sign up right now. And uh, my dad said, well, we'll have the pastor come over and talk to you after church. Well, it was too late. The grape juice was four rows back by that time, you know. So the pastor came over and talked to me, and it, it was, he did a good job. I know he did a good job. It's just, I, this is all I basically remember, okay? I'm, I'm eight. I'm just eight years old. Just think about an eight-year-old. And he said to me, here's what he basically said. If you ask Jesus into your heart, when you die, you go to heaven. If you don't ask Jesus in your heart, then when you die, you burn in hell. Would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not a genius, but I can figure that out, you know? Yes, I would like to ask Jesus into my heart. And so the next, he said, well, next Sunday when I give the altar call, then you come forward and ask Jesus in your heart. He didn't even lead me in the prayer right then. He said, next Sunday. And so the next Sunday I put my suit on, and when they gave the altar call, I went forward and I'm, I think I prayed a prayer. I really don't remember that part. Um, but 
Uh, then they gave me a card to fill out. And I remember I could, I was third grade, so I could write. And I wanted to fill the card out myself. And so I wrote my name and my address and all. And then at the bottom, it had these little boxes that you would check. And I remember thinking, you know, if I'm going to be a good Christian, I'm going to, I'm going to be a, if I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to be a good Christian, you know. And so um, I checked everything on the card, everything. It said, accept Christ as Savior, check. Baptism, check. Letter. I didn't know what kind of letter they wanted me to write. I figured it was a, like a recommendation letter, you know, that I, the other eight-year-olds could read and they would join the church, you know. And um, so I didn't know back then in the Baptist church, you know, you move your letter, you know. So I didn't know that. So, but I checked. And then, uh, you know, RAs, GAs, women's Bible study. I checked it all. I joined, I joined everything in the church, you know. Um, the problem was that according to Scripture... You get saved when the Holy Spirit draws you and convicts you that you are a sinner and in need of a Savior. Well, see, when I was eight, the Holy, the Holy Spirit didn't draw me. The grape juice drew me. And so I didn't get saved. And I grew up in church, and when I went into my teenage years then, um, I began to rebel. And my sister was like everything in high school, cheerleader and friendliest in, of the high school and all these things. And something in me began to look for, you know, a different crowd. And I got into the drinking and the drugs and things like that. But something happened that I really want, I want to tell you about because I just feel like that there are some people here that need to hear this. Um, I, I got very involved in immorality. And um, I can remember trying for years to stop, to not be an immoral person. And after I got saved, God showed me a scripture. And, and I want to show you this scripture because it might help you. It's in Hebrews, and it's chapter 12, verse 15. And it talks about, if you look at the screen there, Hebrews 12, 15, talks about uh, not falling short of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Now watch this. And by this, many become defiled. Remember the word defiled. And then verse 16 says, lest there be a fornicator or a profane person like Esau among you, is what one version says. Now, I want you to think about this. It says, don't let a root of bitterness spring up or many will be defiled and there will be a fornicator among you. Okay. Um, that word defiled is where we get the word pornography from. It's the Greek word porneo. Um, so it says, don't let a root of bitterness spring up or many will be sexually defiled is what it means. And there will be a fornicator among you. I was a fornicator as a teenager. And, but what I didn't realize until after I came to Christ was the root in me wasn't lust. The root was bitterness. Because my mother, unfortunately, she forgave. But yet there was a bitterness in our family because this man shot and killed my grandfather and was either the first man in America, but I don't think so. I think he was the first man in Arkansas 
that got off on temporary insanity. And my mother couldn't understand that. There, were no, there was no one to help her. There were no school counselors. There, was, there were no uh, you know, psychologists back then, really, that could help children go through a trauma like that. And so she, I can remember her talking about, to me about this. She said, How, isn't everyone temporarily insane when they kill someone? I mean, what, how do you get off on this? So he didn't go to jail for that. And so, uh, and I could go into details, which I'm not, but she saw horrible, horrible things that a 16-year-old, a girl should never see her father uh, shot three times with a 45, never. So there was this thing in me, and the reason I'm telling you this is you may deal with a problem that you've never been able to get over. And yet John the Baptist, when he prophesies about Jesus, he talks about good fruit and bad fruit, but he says he is coming to lay the axe to the root of the tree. See, when Jesus came into my life, he cut down the root of bitterness that was in my life. There was a change, and it happened immediately, and it wasn't me that changed. So all growing up, I tried to change. Uh, remember I told you about walking down the aisle, and then I would rededicate my life, and I'd rededicate. Uh, in the Baptist church, that's what you did. You just rededicated. You just, you just re, you know, I shortened the word re-dead. You just get dead all over again. Because you can't dedicate, you can't rededicate if you've never dedicated, see? And I think there's a lot of people in the church today, and you really love God, and you're really a good person, but you've never totally committed your life to Jesus. And that is my invitation day. I'm so glad Ethan asked me to be a pastor. Ethan asked me to be a part. Mine is the invitation to total commitment or for total commitment, total commitment. So anyway, um, I remember uh, I would go to the youth group. And I don't know how many of you grew up going to a youth group, but we used to have youth camp every year. And every year, the last night, we would all get right with God, you know. You know, I'm going to go, we're going to win our school, you know, and we're going to get right with God, you know. And our youth pastor was the greatest guy in the world. He, he came up with all these great ideas of how to get right with God, you know. And like one time, we were supposed to go out and get a stick, and we had a bonfire, and we were going to throw our stick in the fire and say, this is my life for God. You know, I'm going to burn up for God, you know. And so... Everybody did it, and I was thinking, see, for me, I felt like, I always felt like something was wrong with me growing up. I don't know if any of you dealt with this. I felt like I was different, and that, that I, I was goofy looking, and something was wrong with me, and I just wasn't normal, and I had bad thoughts, and other people don't have bad thoughts like this, and, you know, I just, it just, I just always felt nothing ever works out for me, and, you know, so anyway, so I, I think, okay, God, help me. Help me. Please help me to do this right because I just, I never get anything right. So help me do something right, you know. So I go up in front of the whole, you have to go up in front of the whole youth group and you take your stick and you say, this is my life for God. You throw it in the fire. I threw mine in the fire. It hit another stick and it bounced out and it rolled down the hill into the lake. <laughs> and in every youth group, there's what I call a commentator. And he, he just commentates play by play what happens. Oh, look, Robert, your, your stick hit another stick. Look, Robert, it's rolling. Oh, it's in the lake. Your, your, your stick's in the lake. 
your life for God is in the lake. And so, you know, I went and got my, my life for God, you know, out of the lake. And I went back, and I, I, I put it down this time so it wouldn't roll, you know. This is my life for God. I put it in the fire. Okay. So later that night, everything's burned. All, all the sticks are burned except mine. <laughs> now, you would think it, it got wet, but it had been in there hours. Okay. Here's what we found out. I had gotten a piece of petrified wood. When I went to get a stick, it was petrified. So the commentator says, you know, Robert, your, your, your life for God's not burning like everyone else's life for God. It, uh, you know what? You know what? I think you got a piece of petrified wood. You know, you feel like just, you know, just shut up once in a while. You know? So the next year on, on this, the night where we all got right with God, we had these DQ boats, Dairy Queen banana split. They weren't boats, but they were banana split Y'all know what I'm talking about, the little yellow ones? Okay. And so what he did was he took some wax and he put a candle in the bottom, and we were supposed to carry this down to the lake. Uh, this is my life for God. This is my life for God, you know. So I'm carrying mine down, and my candle keeps going out. And you know who's right behind me in line? <laughs> the commentator. And so he says, hey, everybody wait. Everybody wait. Robert's life for God is burning out. We need to relight Robert's life for God. So we uh, light, relit the candle, and then we went away, and we had to do it again. And finally, I just got tired of it burning out and him commentating on it. So I just pulled my cigarette lighter out and held my cigarette lighter out. And I'm in the youth group walking with a cigarette lighter. This is my life for God. You know, so we get down there, and I think to myself, you know, the wick isn't as big as the other wicks, and I, I, I so you know what I'm going to do, and so this that's true. I pulled my switchblade knife out, which is illegal to have a switchblade, which I got on a youth missions trip to Mexico. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, um, nobody's in law enforcement here, are you? Okay, all right. So. I think the statute of limitations is running out. Okay. So anyway, so I trimmed the wick, but I trimmed it too much. And so when I uh, relit it, everybody's candles, you know, it's about one inch, they're flame. Mine's like four inches, you know, burning like this. So then we, you're supposed to go down and you're supposed to put your boat in the water and you're supposed to say, this is my life for God. And across the lake going this way, and I guess the wind was kind of blowing that way, but there was a cross that was uh, lighted with, you know, like Christmas tree lights on it, white lights or something. And all the boats started going toward the cross. And I thought, this is incredible. I don't know how the youth pastor did this, but boy, this is really good, you know. And so I thought, God, please, please, God, help me just one time, you know. And so I go down and I, and I so I think I'm just going to, I'm going to give it a little bit of shove to make sure it goes that way. So when I shoved it, it, it kind of turned, and it started going like this. All the, all the boats are going toward the cross, and my boat is the only boat that's going this way with this huge flame on it, you know. And the commentator says, 
Robert, look, your, 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 your boat's not going toward the cross. All the other boats are going toward the cross, but your, your boat's not going toward the cross. Your, your life for God's going the wrong way, and, you know? And then, now I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth, and Debbie is here. She, she was there at this UTM. She can tell you this happened. My candle fell over. It caught my Dairy Queen boat on fire. It burned it up and sank. And the commentator goes through play by play. Oh, oh, your candle fellow, look at you. Oh, your boat's on, oh, it's a, oh, it sank. Your life for God sank. That was my life for God. It just, it just seemed like nothing worked. And then when I was 16 years old, uh, an evangelist came to our church. I did like always. I'd get convicted. By the way, I got heavily involved in drugs and, again, the immorality. And, um, and so I went down the, um, uh, and rededicated my life to God. And this missionary, this evangelist, thought, you know, he saw something in me. I think he saw the gift of God, and I think he saw the gift to communicate. I was entertaining people, by the way, when I was growing up. When I was 12, 12 years old, I entertained 1,200 people with ventriloquism. You know? So I did stuff like that. I'd been on the stage a lot. When I was in high school, I won drama two years in a row, one state. And so, so I had this gift that God had given me, but he wanted me to use it for him. You know? But I didn't know how to use it for him because I wasn't saved at that time. So anyway, uh, this evangelist saw this gift, so he said, hey, why don't you come with me next week? I'm doing a, a youth revival, and we're, we'll do, uh, a, there's a youth night after one of the nights, and I'm going to teach you, we'll do some funny skits, and then you can share your testimony. And so I did, and I went and shared my testimony, um, and I shared a testimony like this. I was saved when I was eight, but I didn't understand everything, and I didn't read my Bible, and I didn't grow and so I got involved in drugs and things, but now I've rededicated my life to God and everything's fine. Okay, so let me just ask you something. Have you ever heard a testimony like this? Okay, here's the problem. It's not in the Bible. There's no testimony in the Bible that I got saved and didn't change because the responsibility of change is not on you. It's on God. See, the responsibility to receive Jesus, that's your responsibility. But once you receive him, he changes you. So, and, and you talk about, well, shouldn't you read your Bible? Yeah, but you want to read your Bible. I never wanted to read the Bible before until I got saved. And let me show you, I put another scripture, uh, uh, Hosea 9, 11. In Hosea 9, it says, as for Ephraim, which is a type of the church in the Old Testament, and especially in Hosea, and I don't have time to go into the history of the book of Hosea, but it says their glory shall fly away like a bird. And basically when this happens, this is what it's saying, there will be no birth, no pregnancy, and no conception. Now this is a literal prophecy, but I want you to understand it as a spiritual prophecy in the, the spiritual meaning of it. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Now remember Jesus in John 3, 7 said, don't, don't, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born again. So he likens salvation to birth, spiritual birth. You've been born in the natural. Now you need to be born in the spiritual or born not just again, but the, in the Greek it means born from above. You need to be born from above. You need to be born in the spirit. Okay, so he's birth. 
We talk about I was saved, but I didn't grow. In other words, after birth, growth after birth. But according to this verse right here, there is growth before birth. Now, when you think about this, in the natural, has a baby ever been conceived and immediately after conception, it was born? Does that ever happen? No. There's a nine-month period in between conception and birth that's called, what, ladies? Pregnancy. I said that one time. This one lady said, hell. So anyway. <clears throat> but it's a time when, for ladies, it's difficult. And the closer you get to birth, the more miserable you get, especially if you live in Texas. And especially if it's August, right? Okay. All right. So uh, think about this. A seed is conceived in you. You go through this time and it's miserable and it gets more miserable toward the end. And then once birth comes, everything changes. Hmm. That's in the natural. In the spiritual, I hear all these testimonies. I was saved when I was a child, but I didn't really live for God. And I was miserable. I was miserable. And then I totally sold out and totally committed to God. And that's when I changed. Everything changed then. Is it possible that that's when you got saved? And that what happened before was when you were a child, there was a seed conceived in you. And people will say, but I did change some. You did. Hey, there, a baby's changed in the womb. Look at a, a, a woman who's two months pregnant and a woman who's eight months pregnant. That baby's changed. That baby's grown. And I really believe that people need to make an adult decision to follow Jesus. Now, I do believe children can be saved. I believe that. Debbie got saved when she was nine. I got saved at 19. I got delivered from drugs. She got delivered from bubble gum, you know. But when this evangelist came to the church and he started trying to help me, he said to me, Robert, you're, you're not dating good girls. You need to date a good girl. And so I looked around the church and Debbie, I thought, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And I knew she was a good girl. And, um, and she still, you know, is beautiful. And what's amazing is like, we went to the movies and this, I hate to tell you this, you know, but I mean, she still looks young and we go to the movies the other day and this little teenage girl looks at me, looks at Debbie, looks at me, looks at Debbie and then says to me, just one senior? <laughs> now, why don't you go back to biology class, you, you know? But I, she was beautiful and so for some reason her parents let her go out with me. And I fell in love on the first date. And I knew this is what I want. By the way, ladies, if you want to know, and young girls, if you want to know what a man really wants, you really want to know what he wants? He wants purity. He wants beauty on the inside, not just the outside. 
And I knew I found a pure, beautiful person. So we dated our junior year in high school, senior year in high school, freshman year of college, and then got married. But here's what you need to know. I came out of that life slowly. That guy asked me, remember, hey, I want you to go with me next week and share your testimony. And I went and I shared that testimony. Now, here's what I hate to tell you. But after I shared my testimony, I went out and I got high. Because you see, I didn't have any power to overcome sin. My testimony was, I was saved when I was a kid, now I've rededicated and everything's fine. The problem was, I never really totally committed my life to Christ. But when I met Debbie, I met someone who really knew Jesus. I never met anybody like that. She really knew him. And she started working on me. And I started seeing this is, you can actually know Jesus. And so when I was 19 years old, I was in a motel room. Debbie wasn't there. Um, and I was in this motel room. And I just finally thought, I can't, I can't take it anymore. I can't live like this. I can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And I told the Lord, Lord, I remember this statement. If anyone deserves to go to hell, I do. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. And I really don't want to, I don't like telling people this. But um, I smoked my first cigarette out behind the church sanctuary. I smoked my first joint between the, tip, the temporary Sunday school classrooms on the church property. I stole my first car while my mother was in choir practice. And here's something really horrible that you need to know. The first time that I was immoral was when my mother was in choir practice and it was in one of the Sunday school classrooms. And in that motel room, I realized for the first time in my life, I'm a sinner. I'm a horrible sinner. And I can't stop. I can't stop. And I said, Jesus, if you can help me, I give you everything. I give you everything. And it was like Jesus just reached down and picked me up and said, you're my child now. And I never went back to drugs. I never went back to any of it. I, di I didn't want to. That's what you need to know. I wanted to before. See, let me just give you an illustration that I'm finished. When we're born, we're going the wrong way. Like this pen's pointing that way. We're going the wrong way. We're going towards sin. We're born with a sin nature. We want to sin. We want to be bad. We don't want to share our toys. That's the way we are when we're born. And then we go to church or somewhere and people tell us, you need to be good. So we try to be good and we try to put pressure on ourselves. Mm, mm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm, I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to. But if I ever let the pressure off, boy, I just went back to being bad. I just went back to doing the wrong thing. And in that motel room, I said, God, I can't change. 
And it was like the Lord reached down in my heart and flipped a switch and went boing, just like that. And now I want to be good. I don't want to sin anymore. And that doesn't mean that I don't. I still make mistakes, but I don't want to. But if I put pressure on myself, I can still sin. But I have to put pressure on myself. No, nope, I'm not forgiving Debbie. No, it's the 16th time she's not closed the cabinet doors, and I tell her to close the cabinet doors because I have to have every cabinet door closed in the kitchen. I don't know if some of you like that, but I, and she doesn't have to, and I like them, and I tell them, I tell her, no, I'm not forgiving her. No, no, boom, okay, I forgive her. I have to put pressure on myself now to do the wrong thing because Jesus changed my heart. And you came today because some of you, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad person. You, you really do believe Jesus is the Son of God. And you made a childhood commitment to him. But you've never totally committed your life to Jesus Christ. And you needed to hear someone's story that you say, you know what, I relate to that. I can relate I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And the reason is I want you to just have a moment alone with God. I'm not asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes to manipulate you in any way at all. If you feel manipulated, I don't want you to do anything. I really don't. But if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging you and you think, that this, he's talking to me. I, I have struggled my whole life. And I don't know why. And I want to do the right thing, but I just keep going back to doing the wrong thing. You just need to give your life to Jesus. You need to, it's a total commitment. And I'm asking you to make a total commitment today. So if you'd like to do that, I want to just lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you just to pray this prayer in your heart. Not out loud, just in your heart. And I'm just going to lead you in it. So I'm, I'm just... And when I say it out loud, you just say it after me, but just in your heart, not out loud, just in your heart. But just know that you're not just repeating me, you're actually talking to God right now. So if that's you and you want to totally commit your life to Jesus, I want you to just pray this prayer to him in your heart. Just say, just say in your heart, just say, dear God, just tell him that. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Just tell him, I believe Jesus is the son of God. And that he died on the cross for my sins. And I receive Jesus today. Tell him, I receive Jesus today. Not just as my Savior. This is important. Not just as my Savior, but as my Lord. I totally commit my life to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Tell him that. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today, for changing me today. Now, no one's looking around. Please don't look around, okay? Because I want people to just have a moment with God. I'm the only one that's looking right now. But if you prayed that prayer and you really meant business with God, and I know you did if you prayed that prayer, but if you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God, 
I'm, I want to ask you, would you just put your hand up just where I can see it? Put it way up high. You ought to be proud to put your hand up. I mean, you ought to be proud of this. This is the best decision you ever made in your life. Put it way up high. It's, it's incredible to me. All hands all over. Big, strong men putting their hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. Young people, couples. I've, I've just watched a husband and wife. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, if you raised your, if you put your hand up, no one else now, just those you put your hand up. I know this is going to take some courage, but would you just raise your head up and just look at me, all right? Just look at me for a minute. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You don't have to put your hand up, just your head, okay? I'm so proud of you. You have made the greatest decision of your life, and you don't have to change. God's going to change you. I'm really proud of you. I was watching you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm going to ask you, though, to do one more thing. It's very important. Jesus said in Romans 10, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, which you do, and you'll confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Here's what we're going to do in just a minute. We're going to have people all across the front. We need everyone on the altar ministry team that serves. Everyone, that, even if this isn't your week to serve, if you could serve, it would help us. Because a lot of people are put their hands up. In just a moment, Leland's going to lead us in a worship song. But when we do, we're going to all stand up so it'll be real easy for you to get out from where you're seated. And I want you just to come forward while everyone is standing and just come to one of the people at the front and just tell them, I gave my life to Jesus today. Just tell them, I gave my life to Jesus. Say it with your mouth. I promise you, I promise you, it will seal the deal in your life. It'll seal the deal. Listen, Jesus died publicly for you. I'm asking you to make a public commitment to him just with one person at the front, okay? So I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're all going to stand. Leland's going to lead us. But as soon as we stand up, step out and come. Because as soon as you stand up, the devil's going to tell you, don't go. Don't go, but you knock the devil in the teeth and you tell him, no, I'm going, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm going, I'm a grown up and I'm making a grown up commitment to Christ right now. So you make up your mind as soon as we stand up, you're just gonna stand up and you're gonna step out and come all in one motion, all right? Father, I wanna tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This was incredible And how many people made a total commitment to you today. And I pray, Lord, right now you give them courage to get up and to come to the front and to come to one of these and say, I gave my life to Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.